0: Right, we are continuing our series on the family for this month, talking about necessary qualities for a successful family. We always want to remember, we do not want to be single issue Christians. There, are, there is so much uh, to the Bible. There's a lot of doctrine and um, we're, each of these things that we're mentioning, obviously they're not all the things, but I've, uh, we're looking at five different things over these 5 weeks that are just absolutely essential you leave any one of these things out you're just not going to you're not going to make it in your family and so we're going to look at a third one tonight we're going to look at godliness is the next one and notice what it says in 1st Timothy chapter 2 verse 1 I exhort therefore that first of all supplications and prayers and intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men for kings and for all that are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Now, a lot of times people see that as like, I don't know why we've got to pray for our leaders. Our leaders are all reprobates. Well, it's not even that we're praying good things to happen to them. We're praying for them basically so they will leave us alone because we want to be able to live a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. So again, don't get offended if you catch me praying for Joe Biden. It doesn't mean that I just love that man and think he's just a wonderful thing. No, I'm praying that he makes some good decisions. I'm praying that he leaves us alone. I'm praying that, you know, his dementia gets so bad that he forgets about us and doesn't do anything to us. I mean, I just, you know, it's not that I care about the individual. Okay, So again, you, you can take the worst reprobate politician you want. You can take Lori Lightfoot, which she's about gone. But if I lived in Chicago, I'd be praying for Lori Lightfoot. But my prayers are, that you know when it comes to her decisions it will be things that will help me lead a quiet and peaceful life it's not that i'm just thinking i want wonderful things for her no it's because i want to be able to live a life where i can have godliness freedom without a physical war and it says in verse three for this is good and acceptable in the sight of god our savior who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth so god wants people getting saved and isn't it nice that we're not fighting a physical battle when it comes to salvation. I mean, aren't you glad that it is very rare that we have any kind of police opposition when it comes to soul winning? I mean, we occasionally uh you know have people that complain about the apartments and things we go to, but even then, when I got that call from a cop not too long ago about these apartments that we had been going to, he threatened me. He was acting all tough, and he told me if we come back there again, then we're going to get a warning. And then if we go back there again after that, we're going to get trespassed. And it's like, okay. But it's like, we're already done. We already, we already did it. And, you know, and e- 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 so the thing is, so you're basically telling me if I, we go back again and we get caught, you know, then we're just going to get a warning. Well, that's fine. We'll probably finish it. And so it's like, these are the kind of threats that we deal with. And I'm thankful for that. And, you know, and it's okay for us to pray for, you know, our leaders to not do things to hinder that because uh, God wants people to be saved. That's mentioned in there. God wants people being saved. We know that. But also, not only is it God wanting us to be saved, God wants us to be able to live a quiet, peaceful life in all godliness and honesty. So we also got, that is another thing God wants from us. God wants godliness from his people. And in the books of 1st and 2nd Timothy, there are a lot of references to godliness. We're going to look at a lot of these things. And back in 2018, I preached a series through 1st and 2nd Timothy. And my first sermon, I was looking up my notes on it. It was called Sound Doctrine About Behavior. And I remember one of the things that motivated me to preach that is um, I was hearing all this chatter from, you know, your trendies, your liberals and all that. And it's like, you know, we just need to focus on doctrine and stop trying to preach about everybody's sins and, you know, get in everybody's life. You know, we just need to focus on doctrine. But I'm like, um, according to the Bible, you know, do- doctrine is often about behavior. So it's like, how can you not talk about people's behavior and talk about doctrine? If you avoid talking about people's behavior, you're avoiding talking about doctrine. And most of First and Second Timothy, the doctrine that it's specifically referring to, and you use that word doctrine a lot, a lot of it involves our behavior. Not just our theology, no, our behavior, how we conduct ourselves, how we act, how we carry ourselves. And there is a way God expects his, his people to act, how we ought to behave ourselves in the house of God. There's all, there's the way God expects things to run in the home. There's ways God expects uh, servants to be towards their masters. There's, there's all kinds of this stuff that a lot of people would call legalism, but Paul said, this is sound doctrine. And he was specifically talking about behavior. So, these are really important things and you know, if you want a lot more specifics on the behavior, go back and listen to those uh, listen to those subjects. but I'll, I want us to go ahead and take a look at some scriptures on this subject of godliness because first off, notice how in verse two, it shows one of the reasons that we want to pray for our leaders is so they won't be a hindrance not just in our attempt to win souls but to live a life of godliness because we don't want them hindering us. It is, it is hard enough battling our flesh. It's nice if we can do it without fighting a physical war. But you, did you know in some places, in some countries, it's hard to do that. Did you know that that, that call to win souls is for all the world and for Christians in all the world? But did you know in some countries, it's going to be very difficult for them to do that without risking a lot. We risk very little in this country, I don't even like using the word risk. We might, we might risk some social points, you know, locally, from solely in our country, but in some countries they can lose a lot more than that. And, um, you know, I just, I, I, I'm thankful that we're not dealing with that, but it's hard enough batting our flesh. It's nice if we can do right without fighting a war. There's there, you know, there's some places on this earth we're living godly, will cause physical opposition where if you if you separate yourself from the world if you don't look like the world then they're going to figure out what you are and you're going to have problems i i I can't even imagine what these people are going through and so in america today it is it's really only social opposition and we also do have spiritual opposition because of the fact we're surrounded by wickedness and because when you're surrounded by wickedness that makes it harder for you to do the right thing too because we're tempted with the same things that the rest of the world's tempted with. We have flesh just like everyone else and, and that is a challenge. But you know what? I'll take our challenges over the challenges they're facing in China and, you know, uh, in Saudi Arabia or someplace like that. I, I will take what we're dealing with over what they're dealing with any day of the week. We're, we're very, we're very blessed. But let's look at some things, more specific things that Paul mentions. Notice verse five chapter 2. says, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ and lie not a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. In like manner also that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broidered hair, or gold, or pearls, or crossly array, but that which becometh women professing godliness with good works. So right here, there's several things that are mentioned. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time on this, but notice God wants us praying. You know, is it, aren't you glad that we can pray publicly and people can't do anything about it? There's some places you can't do that. Some places... You'll get in a lot of trouble if you do that kind of thing. But also, too, he mentions things like women adorning themselves in modest apparel. Now, don't you dare get specific about that in most churches today. If you do, um, you know, you're going to get called a legalist. You're going to have a bunch of people throw a big fit and they're going to say, why don't you just talk about doctrine? It's like, this is doctrine. Adorning yourself in modest apparel, that's doctrine. That's sound doctrine. These are the things we are supposed to teach. These are the things we are supposed to exhort and People shouldn't be offended by that kind of thing. This is godly behavior. And Christians like to play dumb when it comes to adorning in modest apparel. And I think, that's, I think that's pretty sad. It's not hard to figure out. It says, Let the women learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, and then Eve. We, and people get offended by that, but we should not have women leading the church. We should not have women doing the teaching in the church. We, we should not have women also when it says learning in silence too. You know, ladies, it's really, it would be, and nobody's been doing this, but it would be really inappropriate if, you know, when I'm preaching something, you all are vocalizing your, uh, disagreement with that kind of thing. That's, that's very shameful. And, Uh, It was an it was embarrassing thing. You're not supposed to do that kind of thing, okay? If it's that bad, your husband can act disgusted uh, by it. You know, let let him do it. And um, you know, it's it's the same thing too. It's just like, uh, you know, I I don't want to get on all these subjects too. But you know, ladies too, you know, you are supposed to be in subjection to your husband. And if when I'm preaching against the husbands and you ladies are just, you know, whooping and hollering and running glory laps that's kind of shameful. All right. You know, it it looks like you're using me against your husband in that situation and that's not appropriate. So, you know, you do, you do learn, you learn in silence. uh, And, and you know, ladies never go preach to your husband. What I preached. Okay. That's not appropriate either. Right. Just, you know, don't be, don't be sitting there in church. And you know, when you've been married for a long time, ladies, you can make a lot of noise in silence with your husbands they can read your mind you know they, they can read your mind and if you're doing that kind of thing uh that's that's not that's not appropriate okay you know let let just let the preaching speak to him, let the holy spirit speak to him. you pray about it and I'll pray god gets through if he's so bad uh but you know don't don't be humiliating your husband like that that's not right you say i don't like that well for adam was first formed and then eve and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. You do realize you are the more likely one to be deceived, to be led astray on these things. You say, oh, I don't understand that. You know, I think women are just as smart as men are, blah, blah, blah. Well, women are more emotional creatures, uh, for one, which can make it easy for you to get something wrong. But at the end of the day, a lot of what we learn and a lot of, um, you know, what helps us understand things. Okay, why would God give it to the one who is in subjection more than he would give it to the one who's in authority. God is going to be more likely to speak to the authority about these things than the one who is in subjection. And it's amazing how good we all are at learning what the other person is supposed to do. And we are slow as all get out when it comes to learning what we're supposed to do. That's That's not good. That's not appropriate either. And so uh you say i don't like that i don't make up the rules and the bible is pretty clear in this area and it says notwithstanding she should be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety so there are there are specific roles for the gender that god expects people to follow and if you don't you simply aren't godly and i don't even think i need to preach about this here i think everybody's got this down and if we don't, if i do have to preach on this We've got a real problem in our church, but there is such a thing as gender roles. And there are some things that men should do and women shouldn't and things that women should do that men shouldn't. And there are some things that men can do that women can't and things that women can do that men can't. And we're not even going to have the debate about whether or not men can have babies. We're not, going to, we're not going to have that debate here. Uh, that one was settled 6,000 years ago. And so uh, there, there's, there's no debate about that here. We all know what that's all about. So we're not going to waste any time on that. It's a shame I even have to throw that out there, but it's 2023 and this tranny stuff is everywhere and it's absolutely revolting. And let me just say this to make me feel good. I've always hated the Bud Light company, but you know what? It's felt pretty good this week watching them lose billions of dollars. I hope they die financially. I do. I man, I hope I hope they do. I hope I I can't imagine a straight man drinking Bud Light right now. I mean I, you you name there's not a drink out there. You all know how much I like ghosts. They put a tranny on their can? I'll be cured. Done. I don't care. Dr Pepper. You know whatever. If Dr Pepper it turns out this whole time was a woman, I always thought it was a guy, I'll quit drinking it. I right, just you know, right right there. So um. Yeah, I'm fed up with all this nonsense. It's absolutely ridiculous. But we must be godly if we're going to be a good minister of Christ. It says in 1 Timothy 4, in verse 6, If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith, and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained but refuse profane and old wives' fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. So again, here we have doctrine being mentioned, good doctrine that's being mentioned. And what does it do? It goes on and talks about the stuff that the people who say we should be all about doctrine don't want you to talk about. And it's talking about behavior. It's talking about godliness. And it says exercise. And I want you to get a hold of this. I want you to keep this in your mind. Exercising to godliness. Exercising to godliness. Keep this in your head because I want to put an image in your head tonight. That is, I think is really important. And then it goes on to say, For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Bodily exercise, okay, it does profit little. I like bodily exercise. I enjoy exercising. It makes me feel good. Uh, you know, I, I do. I enjoy it. And, it and, and there is a little profit to it. But let me tell you something. Who cares how fit you are if you're ungodly? Godliness is so much better. Exercising godliness is time so much better spent than physical exercise. And again, I am 100% for physical exercise. I think think you ought to do it. But I, I am not impressed if you are all about the physical exercise, you eat all organic everything, you never eat anything fun exercising all the time I, I don't i don't care but if, if you're not godly then you're unbalanced you're not what god is looking for god wants us to you know worrying about godliness it's profitable in every area and there is profit to being healthy you might you can live longer you can have a better quality of life but did you know healthy people die in car wrecks healthy people die all kinds of ways especially if you took the new you know what today you know that there's a, there's all kinds of ways you can die folks At the end of the day, it's not about you know extending your life and just even quality life on this earth, it's about the spiritual things. They matter more than anything. So he's telling them, you know, body exercise profit a little, but exercise thyself rather to godliness. And then um says this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially those that believe. Watch this these things command and teach. Now, I don't care how much I get called a legalist for preaching on godliness, defining godliness, talking about godliness, but right here in the Bible, it says these things command and teach. Now, we have a generation that does not like that word command. They don't like that. But we are going to get up here in this church and we're going to show what the Bible says and we're going to say, this is the command. This is what the Bible says. This is why we are supposed to do these things. And this isn't just about doctrine. This isn't about, you know, figuring out ransom theory versus personal substitutionary atonement. This isn't about figuring out, you know, the tulip and uh, Arminianism and, and all these things that we love to get ourselves into to show how smart we are and to show how much theology we know. Listen, who cares how much you know about all that stuff? If you're not godly, then you're, you, you're missing the boat. This is so important. I mean, what good Is all this knowledge, what good is all this Scripture that you have memorized if it doesn't change anything in your life if it's not making you more like Christ? That's the whole point of learning Scriptures. Do we want to learn Scriptures so we can get up and show everybody how smart we are? Is that your motivation like it is for us to learn the judges so we can just learn smart, we can look smart for everybody? Or are you wanting to learn Scriptures so you'll have it in your heart and in your mind what you're supposed to do? How it's supposed to affect you? How it's supposed to change you. And so these things are very important. So this is where I want to shift gears a little bit in the sermon because right here is where everybody has, is going to have to make a decision in their heart about, and what you do at this next part will determine your success or failure as a family in this area of godliness. Because I, I know, what I, I know what everybody's thinking right now. Because if I just say you should be godly. Well, what does that mean? What does that mean to be godly? What exactly is godliness? What does a godly person look like today? What is expected of me by God? What is expected of me as a member of Liberty Baptist Church? Does God think I'm godly right now? Does the pastor or other church members think I'm godly right now? Those questions might pop into your mind when I start saying you need to be godly you need to be godly and I could go we go to a lot more scripture showing you need to be godly all those questions might be coming in your mind but you know there's actually some problems with those very questions because these questions I want to use something very specific that Paul used I think to help illustrate something very important because here's here's the definition of godliness according to Webster And he he said in there, a religious life, a careful observance of the laws of God and performance of religious duties, proceeding from love and reverence for the divine character and commands Christian obedience. So, obviously, we would all agree, okay, being godly is following God's laws and commands, being like Christ, being obedient. We would all agree those are godly things. But the question is, so just how much do I have to do to actually be considered godly? Because does anybody, don't raise your hand, does anybody think they're obeying all the laws of God? Does anybody just think they're completely obedient in this area? So it's just like, well, so we're all ungodly, you know, right? But wait, what did Paul say? He says, exercise thyself unto godliness. So, okay, and so look what it says in 2 Timothy 3. In verse 1, says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despises of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. So he named a bunch of bad things there, but then... He makes the statement about these people that are really bad, how they have a form of godliness. Okay? And, and what does that mean? Because the truth is, any one of us can come up with our own form of godliness. And often that happens amongst churches, amongst denominations, is we often have like something that's very notable about ourselves and our beliefs, that we hold up is like the crown jewel of whatever. And because we have this one thing, we're all better than everybody else. Okay? You say, well what is that what is that in our church or churches like ours? Well one of the things you could probably say is soul winning. So it's like, yeah, we 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 go soul and well that's that's a wonderful thing to do. But the thing is if we're just like if we're using our soul winning as like a shield to block all like, legitimate criticisms that come our way of disobedience to the Bible, you know that's when we're having this form of godliness. I think we're all good as long as we just have this one area, then we're all good. And, and, you're, and you're picking a good thing. And we can argue about what the best thing is. I've heard some people say, no, it's not soul winning. It's glorifying God. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously that's it. But, you know, it's how do you glorify God? You know? only, you know, we, can, we can go around and around with these things I mean, and every group has a thing. You've got some groups in the Baptist world, they're all about how conservative their music is. Some people, it's all about the dress. You know, you've got your Pentecostals that got us beat. You've got your Amish that have them beat. You know, you've got your Muslims that have them beat. You know, we, we all come up with these things. And, you know, and the Muslims use that. Look at them Americans. Look at them Christians over in America. Look at the way them ladies dress. They show their elbows in church. You know, they show some of their legs. I mean, you go up on, ladies, you, you go up on the Temple Mount, you show any leg, they're putting a big long skirt around you cover that up if you show any of your leg you're not allowed to show uh any of your shoulders i mean you can't you know you got to have like everything covered covered up up there and they look at you and they use that they and and i don't think there's anything wrong with way you ladies are dressed but you know the muslims they'll they have they've created this thing where if you do these things you're just some evil horror of a lady or something woman and then and people think that and so they look and it's just like you know yeah, you know, our doctor doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Our prophet is illiterate and a pedophile and all that stuff. But at least our ladies don't go around half-naked. And it, it's a form of godliness that they came up with. Now, again, I mean, are they right? The ladies should be modest. I mean, I think they take it farther than the Bible does. But again, we can all come up with stuff like this. We can all, you know, we can all come up with our thing that you know makes us better than everybody else. But at the end of the day. Are we going to set our own standard for what godliness is? Or are we going to follow the goal that Paul talked about? And that's being like Christ. That's what we should be doing. And so the, when we ask questions like just what is, how godly do I have to be? How many laws do I have to obey? And I, and I said, I'm giving, you, I'm giving you five that I think are super important over these five weeks. These are not an exhaustive list. These are just five very important things that I think are often neglected. That just you know you're not you're not gonna you're not gonna succeed without each of these things. But the truth is, you know these are my five things I came up with. You know, and there's probably other things too. I could probably, if you went to another pastor, he could probably give you five things. Some of them might go along with this. Some of them might be a little bit different too. You know, so I'm not trying to necessarily establish the Tommy McMurtry version of godliness an image that everybody needs to shoot for but the these questions it shows an, an inability to self-motivate and people like this like to be in an environment where everyone is just kind of forced to do the same thing which that isn't right and that's not healthy either okay? and i and i think a good way to illustrate an environment that promotes godliness and this is what i think a church should be and i really hope you get a hold of this I believe a church ought to be a place that promotes godliness. But does that mean we go around and we nitpick everyone's flaws in the church? No. So, how, how do we do this? How do we have an environment that promotes godliness? Because we, we definitely ought to do that. I like to compare it to a gym. Okay? And remember what Paul said. He, he, he used, he said, but refuse profane and old wise fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness for bodily exercise profit little. So Paul made the comparison here. So I'm going to take this comparison and use it in a way I think we can relate with a little bit. So I think, you know, we all, we do, we all understand. I think it's well-established. Godliness is more important than bodily exercise. Okay. So here's the thing. Gyms, they're supposed to be all about helping people improve themselves. And did you know that goes for the old and out of shape? as well as the young and the fit. And if you go if you go to a gym, you know it you do. You have people that are completely out of shape. You know, you have other people that are totally in shape. Did you know anybody who's doing that bodily exercise there are physical benefits to that. It's good for healthy people to exercise. It's good for unhealthy people to exercise. The truth is it's good anytime you're in a place and people are trying to improve themselves. And you know what you shouldn't do? You shouldn't see that fat guy, you know, running three miles an hour on the treadmill, huffing and puffing and sweating away. And then, you know, you're Mr. Macho Man over there, you know, running 12 miles an hour, not even breaking a sweat, you know, like, and acting all cocky. And look at that. Look at that guy sweating all over the place. Hey, you know what? Be thankful that guy is putting in some work and trying to improve himself. We, and you know, what you don't need to do. You don't need to go discouraging that guy. He's, he's going in the right direction. We're literally, you're literally watching him do something to fix his situation, to, to better himself. And then just because you've been successful in this, in this one area, you're just going to go be all down on somebody. Folks, that's wrong. You know what they call that today? They call it gym intimidation is like one of those things too. You know, you don't, you shouldn't do that kind of thing. You shouldn't go discouraging people like that. But it's like, you know, what we don't need is, a gym where we try to force everyone to weigh the same, to have the exact same build. And, you know, and some people are just never going to be muscular. But you know that doesn't mean they can't improve themselves and still have a better quality of life. I mean, just that, that guy that's just too old to ever just really get in shape. He'll never be able to run a marathon. He'll never be muscular. Do you just want to tell that guy, you know what, you might, you're never going to be healthy, so you might as well go home and just drink beer and get fat and die of a heart attack? No, he needs to do what he can Uh, Overcome that. We ought we ought to support that thing. We ought to be cheering on anyone who's trying to improve themselves. And when we start getting specific on what the standard for godliness is, we end up creating a problem, because godliness should always be improving for everyone, and the standard should be Jesus. And so again, you know, we don't. I, I don't know what you would call the physical standard for just like peak masculinity uh, what's that one guy that everybody what the chad okay uh, or uh giga chad all right uh, my boys explained giga chad to me the other day if you don't know what that means it's complicated i'm not gonna explain it but yeah all right but let, let's just say giga chad is like the the ultimate man okay and you know the, the truth is okay Probably none of us in here, no matter how hard we try, no matter how hard we work, will ever be Giga Chad. Because you know I can't make myself taller. I'll definitely never be able to get a good head of hair. Uh, I'll, ne- I'll never have a flat top. You know I, I, I've tried growing a good beard. Uh, you know I, I, I will. Ne- I will never dethrone Giga Chad and become whatever would be after Giga. Uh, it's, it's just not going to happen. But does that mean I should just quit and give up? Does that mean I should just stop where I'm at? Now, none of us in here are ever going to be Jesus when it comes to godliness. all right. We're, we're never going to be Jesus until he transforms us and he makes us like him. But does that mean we just stop? No. What we do, we, we go forward. We try to do a little bit better. What we do, we're exercising ourselves rather than godliness. So what we don't want to do is we don't want to have a church. where We'll create this standard that says everybody's got to be giga Chad. Because if we do that, everybody's going to give up. But what we don't want to do, we don't want to be like Pastor Twinkletoes and say, well, you know, what? I think that's too legalistic. I say we have the, the standard be Pee Wee Herman. And then we, you know, I mean, yeah, that'll be easy. We could probably, you know, we might be able to make that happen for a lot of people. But again, I think some of us can do better than Pee Wee Herman. You know, I think I, I think we can do, I think we can do more than that. Do we, you know, do we want to have, do we want to set Richard Simmons as, as the standard or uh, somebody, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to do that. It might be something we could all feel good because you know we could probably all achieve Richard Simmons' standard and things like that. But folks, that's not the point. Okay? When you say things like "fit," when you say things like "in shape," you know there's a pretty broad spectrum there, isn't it? And when we talk about godliness, it's the same thing. And so when we think about peak godliness, we think Jesus Christ. And and while we'll never be Jesus Christ. You know, while we'll never be giga-chad physically, it should, it should cause us to, it, we should still do whatever we can, be the best version of ourselves that we possibly can be. And when it comes to godliness, we should always be moving forward. And you know, and you, when you see that person who's you know, physically in really bad shape, but you see them making that effort. Okay? I, you know, if, if you want to be a little judgmental, if you see him on the stationary bike eating a Twinkie, you know, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna be a little, uh, you know, skeptical of that. But at the same, when you see him putting in that effort, you ought to cheer them on. You ought to be supportive. You know, in a lot of gyms, you'll see it too, where they have those signs up there saying, you know, don't give unsolicited advice. Don't just go, you know, no, don't do that. And don't do that with people in the church. You know, we, we should be doing that. If you see somebody in the church that you feel like maybe they're struggling a little bit, just go up to them and just like, you know, I think you'd be a better Christian if you started doing this, you stopped doing that, when, when they didn't ask you. You know, you know what the best thing is for you to do to encourage people to do right is when you see them doing right, you cheer them on. You know, and or set an example yourself. Those are the most important things that you can do. And so if you ask me to create a standard for godliness, it would be like me trying to create a standard for what it means to be in shape. Because, you know, if I, what if I said that in order to not be a soy boy, beta male, you know, you have to be able to bench 250 and do 50 push-ups, you know, and I just came up with a bunch of things like that. Well, the problem is, you know, that creates that some people will probably never be able to do those things, but there might be other people who could actually potentially do more than those things, but because I I declared this is all you need to get to, you know, I cause them to stop, but they could do more. And so we don't want to, we don't want to just set the standard for what godliness is, because if somebody goes beyond that, we ought to cheer them on. If somebody doesn't make it to that, but they're doing good and they're improving themselves, then you know what we ought to do? We ought to support that too. Anybody who is exercising themselves to godliness, we should be behind them. So, everyone can always be more godly because godliness, godliness is profitable in all things. And Everybody can always be in a little better shape. Everybody can always accomplish a little more. And, we, and it, 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 there's always these benefits to it. We should uh, encourage anyone trying to do those right things. And don't discourage people uh, when they're putting in that effort. And so the important thing about a gym is, you know, does it have what you need to improve yourself and to help you live up to your potential? And the truth is, if you go to a gym and it's got, you know, I mean, all the right equipment and everything, you shouldn't just be like, oh man, I can't exercise in this gym. Everyone's out of shape. Well, listen, you don't have to do what everybody else is doing. You know, you can add more weight on, 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 to your bar, you know, while everybody else is only going three miles an hour on the treadmill. You know, you can, you can make yours go a little bit faster. You don't have to do the same thing as everybody else. And often people will do that in a church. You know, they'll just look around. Oh man, these people aren't that spiritual. Yeah, but are they, are they trying to stop you from being spiritual? Because that could happen too. I mean, if I went into a gym... And everybody's fat and they're criticizing me for not being fat and, you know, and discouraging me and ridiculing me for continuing to try to improve myself. Well, then I'm probably going to leave that environment. But at the same time, too, um, and I, I, you know, in, in a church and that happens, too, where you can get into a church sometimes and the people are so dead. They get mad at people to get on fire for God and are making them look bad. That does happen. That really does happen in church. Never, never discourage somebody. Who's, I mean, really going at it and giving their all and, and outdoing you? You say, oh, they're they're going to burn out. Well, again, don't discourage them. You know, don't don't say anything to discourage people that are putting in the effort. So the the important thing, he said, is just is what you need to improve yourself there to live up to your potential, and you should be able to succeed even if everybody else in the gym is out of shape. And so. Let's go ahead and get back to looking at two godliness or uh, look at more scriptures about godliness. Because when it comes to godliness, the last thing you should do is limit yourself because all of it's profitable. Don't just say, no, I just, I just want this much of it. No, it's all profitable. All of it's profitable. Let's keep going. Hey, great. You benched 150. Let's try to bench 160. Let's see if we can keep going. Let's see if we can keep improving these things. Great. You know, you're you're exercising to God in this. You got to this point. Hey, let's see if you can get on to the next step, too. Why? Can't I be satisfied here? Well, I mean, I, I guess if you want, but the truth is, it's better if you get over here. It's better if you keep going. Just like God blessed you in all these areas, you've had a better quality of life because you did all of these things. Physically, if you keep doing more of these good things, it's going to get even better. And, and when God and God does that, when people get saved, they start exercising godliness. God starts improving their life. Why would we tell somebody to stop where you're at? If they keep going, their life's going to keep getting even better. It'll keep on improving. We need to just keep moving on all these things. It's all profitable. Not, I know as a pastor, I'm just happy if I just see people exercising godliness, you know, in and, and I don't care how sorry people in the church are. If I'm seeing improvement, if I'm seeing growth, I'm greatly encouraged. But you know what's discouraging? is when If people start becoming more carnal. It's like, I don't want people when they start coming to our church to start becoming more liberal. I, that, that wouldn't be, that's not good. That's not the way it's supposed to be. We ought to be motivating everybody to become better. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 6 says let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor and this is so this is talking about kind of how we are with our employers that the name of god and his doctrine be not blasphemed what does doctrine have to do with how you are with your employer Uh, again doctrine is not just about all the eschatology and soteriology and all that kind of stuff it's about behavior too especially in 1st and 2nd Timothy. And you know what God doesn't want Christians doing? He doesn't want us being sorry employees. He doesn't want us ripping off our boss. He doesn't want us being lazy. He doesn't want us being dishonest. God wants us being a good example in these areas and and especially when we are representing him because we don't want the Christians to be the worst workers in the place. That's the last thing we want. Verse 2. And they that have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren but rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved partakers of the benefit. These things teach and exhort. Encourage people to do these things. Encourage people to be honest in, in their jobs. And then he says, if any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine, which is according to godliness. Somebody got up here right now and tried to tell me that godliness has nothing to do with behavior. Or that doctrine has nothing to do with behavior. Has everything to do with behavior. How we conduct ourselves. How we act. This is, this is doctrine. This is, this is doctrine. You know, and it is, it's amazing how many doctrines we get all caught up in that don't necessarily affect our day-to-day life. But when it comes to things like employment, we all have jobs. When it comes to uh, you know, being a husband, being a wife, being children... I mean, there's all these behaviors that these things apply to all of us. They really do. And yet, we want to talk about those doctrines that don't really affect things in our daily life. That's, that's not being balanced. This is doctrine. And it says to the ones who do not teach these things and consent, it says he is proud, knowing nothing. I don't know though, that, that guy, he's, he's right on eschatology. He's right on the Jews. He's right there with us but he's also crooked. He's a sorry husband. He's a sorry worker. He's dishonest. He's a bad neighbor. You know what the Bible says? If they're not doing those things, they know nothing. They know nothing. We we had somebody come to church here a long time ago, found out that we were post-trib, and if started talking to him after the service. They thought it was great that we were post-trib, but then they started asking me about all these other doctrines, and literally that was about the only thing we agreed on. And... It was like they were disappointed because they came here, and I preached a message that had nothing to do with eschatology. It's just like they thought they were going to come here and hear a post-trib sermon. It's just like there's a lot more to us than where we are in eschatology. Yeah, and um, you know, I just told them I was like, man, you know, we'd love it if you if you want to come and learn. You know, we'll teach you these things and where we come from. But I I just told them I said we're not changing on these on these other doctrines. And uh, but I said and you're And I and I told him too, and I said I don't, as far as I know, have any post-trib sermons coming anytime soon. (laughs) So um, we never saw him again. But you know, as far as I'm concerned, they know nothing. As far as I'm concerned, pre-tribbers know more than they do, because at least I know a lot of pre-tribbers that have godliness, that are they're good husbands, they're good wives they're they're good christian workers they're good soul winners they love the lord they're good neighbors they're honest workers they provide for their families they're just decent human beings they never steal anything from anybody they, you know they they never kill anybody they do all these things but bible says those that, that don't have that godliness they're proud knowing nothing but doting about questions and strives of words, where cometh have come with envy, strife, railings, and evil surmising. So maybe how many ungodly people that are out there that don't know how to live life, that want to just come and just argue with you vehemently about the Nephilim doctrine and things like that. It's like, you know what? You fix your life, and then we'll we'll talk about the Nephilim. All right. When, when you learn how to stop using the F word every other minute, maybe I'll talk to you about the Nephilim. When you learn how to get your carcass in church, Maybe I'll talk to you about the Nephilim. We, we can have that conversation. I, I enjoy that conversation. But, and, and, and I don't think it's wrong for us to occasionally talk about those things. I think, I think there is a time and a place and a setting where we can talk about the weird stuff. You know, where we can talk about the, you know, the fun stuff, if you want to call it that. But I'm telling you, if, that, if we're spending all our time on that, and we're not talking about godliness. We're not talking about behavior. We're wasting our time. We don't really know anything. We don't know anything. And we're just doting about strifes of words where come envy, strife, railings, evil surmising, perverse beatings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of truth, supposing that gain is godliness. From such, withdraw thyself. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out, and having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and and of many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Where do you think the priority is? The priority is not in this head knowledge stuff that we all love to talk about, and folks, I love to talk about that stuff i don 't think it 's a sin to talk about that stuff i don 't think it's a sin I think it's wonderful if you get if you get caught up in it, you study in it, you want to learn more about it but again, if you 're learning all of this you know just this intellectual stuff and your behavior, your godliness is not improving you are so imbalanced you are you are going to turn into a, a freakish looking person. And, and for example, I was several years ago, I was, I was in uh, one of the banks here in town. And I remember this dude came in there to open an account. And this guy was just, he, you know, they talk about the guys that skip leg day. This guy just came in. He has just got these insane biceps and just the same, insane upper body. It was just, it was weird looking. And I remember just like, you know, it was one of those things where it's like, wow, you know, those are big biceps. But like, he just kind of looked like a freak. And it's like the guy, you know, and it, he was a very unique looking individual. He was, he was weird looking, just had a weird look. But I saw that guy a few years later um, after the pandemic. And let me tell you, everything shifted. <laughs> everything, I mean, and I, I don't know, I swear, this guy was like just, the, he's just like the weirdest looking individual and it just it just all messed up. It just, it, and I, I can't even describe to you what this fellow looks like. But you know, that's how we are when we're just like so great in just like this one area. But I mean, in reality, at the end of the day, I mean, you know, arm strength's great too, but you know, leg strength is also really important too. You know, we, we ought to be, try to be balanced. And you know, imagine if all I did was just like work out one bicep all the time. And I've just got this gigantic bicep over here, and then I just got this stringing arm over here. I look like that Dylan freak on the beer can, you know? It's just like that. That's not right. You shouldn't be so freakish. And that's how we are when we do when we just kind of zero in on one thing, and we skip out on all these other things. So we ought to we ought to have some balance into these things, and we ought to follow. The things that are really important: righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience. I don't even see knowledge in there. Again, if, if you have not, if you have, if you understand all mysteries and you have not charity, you're not profiting anything. There's some things that are more important, and so the more godly you are, the more God will be able to use you. It says in Psalms 4:3, "But know that the Lord hath set apart him that is godly for himself." The Lord will hear when I call on Him to set apart, it means it's, it's, this, it's to separate something and to give it a special place and a special position and a special use. God said, I'm setting apart the godly. You want to be used of God in a special way? You need to be godly. It says in 2 Timothy 2.19, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having the seal. The Lord knoweth them that are His and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ. I know I'm saved. It's not about works. Those of you that think it's about works, you're on your way to hell. That's true. Those of you that think all about works after salvation, what prove you're saved? You know, you're misleading people. You're leading people straight. Hey, I, I think there's some. I think there's some truth in that too. Uh, I, I would I would agree with you to a certain extent on all that. But the truth is, the Bible says, "Let every one of us that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity." Great. You understand you don't have to repent of your sins to be saved. But you do know that God wants those who are saved to depart from iniquity. Now, tell me that's not repenting of sins. Tell me that's not God's will for your life to repent of sins after you get saved. You better believe it is. That's God's will for you. That's what you should be doing right now. I'm not going to call yourself your salvation into question if you're not repenting of your sins. But I will call your godliness into question. I'll call your behavior into question if you're not repenting of your sins. You better you better do these things. And you say, why? Verse 20, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver but also of wood and of earth and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these he shall be a vessel unto honor sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. What's that talking about? That's being set apart. Just like maybe ladies you have your special dishes for your special occasions. If we want to be used of God for a special way God wants Clean vessels. God wants those who are godly. God wants those who have set themselves apart. And so how do we do that? How do I know how to, how to be more godly? Well, obviously reading the Bible is going to help a lot. It'll tell you a lot of stuff. It'll tell you enough. It'll make your head swim. But the truth is too, even without a whole lot of knowledge, you can figure out a lot. Just like, how about this? Flee also youthful lust. We understand what youthful lust is. Yeah, I'm about out of time. I'm not going to explain all that to you. I think, but it says flee also youthful lust. But follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Another thing too, you know, uh, youthful lust—that's just kind of what just people, young people, just naturally are drawn towards because of their lack of experience, lack of knowledge. But also godliness, you could say, is the opposite of worldliness. The Bible says in Second Timothy three twelve. And no, notice how I've been doing a lot of verses in First and Second Timothy. That's what these those books are all about says, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And notice how evil men and seducers, they're deceiving and being deceived. Are they deceiving people in their intellectual things of doctrine? Which I'm sure that's part of it. But the truth is, if you go and you do a study about false prophets and all of their methods, do you know what they do? They use the lust of the flesh to draw us away. That's how we get pulled into false doctrine is they pull us towards the things of the flesh because, and one of the works of the flesh are heresies. And so what that they, what they're always going to do, they're always going to start with your behavior. Ladies, you don't need to dress like ladies. Yeah, you can go out, you can drink, you can drink a little bit. Yeah, you can do all these things. And then it always turns into calvinism it always turns into you know all these you can lose your salvation or uh, you know all kinds of heresies. there's no limit to heresies that are out there but that's but they but they allure you through that lust of the flesh and so he goes on to say but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned them and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures that are able to make thee wise in the salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus all scriptures given by inspiration of god and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Tell me that's not about behavior right there. About behavior that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. It's amazing how many people will walk around with their chest puffed out. I'm right on this doctrine. I'm anti-dispensational. You know, I believe that we as saved people are God's chosen people. I believe the rapture comes after the tribulation. Amen. I, 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 I believe all that stuff. But you know what? At the same time, don't you dare talk about my works. Don't you dare talk about my behavior. That, but, you know, that's what God wants. God wants that instruction in righteousness. These are the things it's talking about. It says, "For the and then uh, Titus 2.11, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us. The grace of God that has appeared to all men teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts and that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior jesus christ and let me tell you there are many people who have grown up taught the ways of the independent fundamental baptist which i believe is the bible ways they've succeeding they've succeeded in living up to a form of godliness they have met the ifb expectation and i could talk about what that is it's it's really not that hard to meet the ifb expectation it's not really that it's really not that hard go do some soul winning if you're a man dress like a man if you're a woman dress like a woman Look clean cut. You know, don't cuss. Stay out of the bars. You know, just stay pure till you're married. You know, all these things are beneficial to us. They're, they're good. It's really not, it shouldn't be that hard to do these things. And a lot of people have succeeded. They've achieved the outward man-made standard of godliness. But the problem is, all these things are, are really a matter of things of the heart. And the truth is, you can dress someone up Amish, and they can still have a wicked heart and love the world. And I've seen that happen with a lot of young people who grew up dressing right, criticizing everyone who didn't dress right, doing all the things you're supposed to do in the church. They sang in the choir. They sang specials. They did instruments. They did all those things. they go out souling. They'd pass out tracks, they do all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, they had a love for the world. They were doing all those things because that's what was expected of them. That's what was put on them. But the whole time, they were looking at the world. They were in love with the world. And as soon as they were able to, you know what they did? They went to the world. And the Bible does say, love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lusts are of But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. And it really, it really isn't hard I don't think it's that hard. People act like it is, but I don't think it's that hard to live up to the typical IFB standard that people have. It, it, it really isn't hard to live up to a standard that will keep you from getting kicked out of this church. It really isn't. It, it's not that hard to live up to a standard that will keep me happy with you as a pastor. It's not that hard. But do you want to stop there? Or do you want to keep going? Do you want to exercise yourself into godliness? Godness? Do you want to become more like Christ? You know, I might be satisfied if we're Pee Wee Hermans, but you know what? I think you can do better than that. I think we can all do better than what we're doing when it comes to our godliness. We we all can. Every one of us can. We all should be improving. We need to be going in the right direction. And what is difficult is getting your children to fall in love with the Lord so they'll want to be like Him. Too many parents are letting their kids fall in love with the movie stars, the pop singers, the athletes. Man, we've got to figure out how to get our kids to fall in love with the Lord so they'll want to be like Him. Every family needs to make that effort to live godly and to make sure your family sees the fruit and the benefits of godliness so they'll want even more. We should want our next generation to do better than us. Never criticize your kids if they grow up and they're more strict than you in some areas. If they do more than you do in some areas. if, if You know, I... I'm not going to be mad if my boys are in better shape than me physically. And I'm not going to be, I'm definitely not going to be mad if they're more godly than I am. That's, that's great. That's wonderful. Cause I want the best for them. And, the, and, and whatever godliness I've had in my life, it's been very profitable for me and it will be profitable for them too. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for this clear instruction. I thank you for this good doctrine that we looked at tonight uh, concerning godliness. And I pray Lord, that we will uh, not just get this mindset of I want to be a good, independent, fundamental Baptist, but we'll have a mindset of I want to be like Christ and that we'll all just move forward, Lord. I pray that we'll all just keep on exercising this area, keep on getting better, help us to just fall in love with you, help us to be inspired by you, and I pray we'll continue to see great things in the lives of each one. In your name we pray, amen.